everybody. This is George Bathgate, and welcome to episode three of The Accidental Curator. It's Tuesday, January the 12th, and today I'm coming to you from my studio gallery on Main Island, BC, which is also where the subject of today's interview lives. I'm doing a Zoom interview with well-known collage and mixed media artist, Famous Empty Sky, and I've got to say that I'm delighted that she's agreed to be my first interview for The Accidental Curator, um, despite some of the my own self-induced technical glitches that we've just overcome. Uh, famous Empty Sky, or Empty Sky, as she is known to her friends, and I'm lucky enough to consider myself among those people, was the first artist to show at my gallery when I opened to exhibitions in 2016. And she's shown with me three times since. Uh, we've hit it off, we've become good friends. I'm good friends with her life partner, Jim. And we would have made it four this year if it weren't for the nasty pandemic. So it seems very fitting that I have her online today. Hello, Empty Sky. Hi, George. Hi, how are you doing? Um, good, slightly good. nervous. Slightly nervous. Well, this is actually my first interview as well. Uh, so this is all, uh, we're just working on our, our little systems here. And today, you, because, because it's you and you're a good friend, I feel very comfortable interviewing you. I got to say that. And it's great. Drag to me into the 21st century. Yeah. This is my first Zoom. Well, it's great to be here on Maine. I'm only here for a couple of days. And I wish we could be doing this interview in person. But the COVID restrictions prevent that. You and I are not in the same bubble, Empty Sky. We're we're in different spiritually we spiritually, are spiritually we're in the same bubble it's true um now empty sky i let our listeners know that you are a well-known collage and mixed media artist and i understand you've been quite busy and productive during the pandemic uh i find this impressive as i know many creatives who are struggling with some inertia and distraction uh myself included during this um uh, during this strange time that we're in could you, could you let us know, could you uh, tell us what you've been working on and how you've managed to stay focused and creative during this uh, unusual time? Well, honestly, George, I'm just like everybody else. I have been struggling to remain creative, but because I so deeply believe that art is healing and creativity is strengthening, I've been continuing to work when I can. And, and what I want to say to people is just keep on. Don't give up. You know, it's, uh, this is a very challenging time, yes. but it's still, it's a beautiful time in its way. And, I, and in some ways, it's a sacred time. So what have I been doing? I've been trying to work as much as I can. And when I can't, I've been forgiving myself and just trying to go back to it as quickly as I can. One of the things that I like to recommend is to try to do something every day. Mm, now, that's good. I wish I could. Mm -hmm. I wish I could say to you, George, no matter what, I'm working every day, but I am trying. And one thing that helps me is usually at the beginning of the new year, uh, I'll start an art journal. And I will try to work every day in my art journal. Um, and then that often will lead me into the direction for the year. Okay. So uh, currently I am 
in my art journal and I have, and I'm going to do my first small piece within the next couple of days. I have it mostly laid out. Alrighty. This all sounds like very sage advice, Empty Sky. And uh, certainly- I've been doing this for a long time. You've been producing some wonderful art for many years now. So you've probably been through other times that are equally challenging and still manage to keep your creative path going. Um, I did speak with you recently and you mentioned that um, you're calling some of your new material your In Isolation series. Now, is there a name for the style of collage work that you do? Is it, is it fair to say that most of your collage work is mixed media? Definitely mixed media. Um, I have names for the individual series that I work on and I have a tendency, I, I have a long attention span. Yeah. So for my art, so that, you know, I'll have a series and then I'll move on and do a new series and then I'll come back and incorporate things from the first series. Yes. And that's very much what I'm doing right now. Okay. I'm working with materials that I've generated over the years to create something that's quite unique and new. All and right. and uh, the In Isolation series, a lot of it uh, is based on the view out my window. I get to look out at Active Pass. I've seen that view. It's a very lovely view. It is wonderful. And I'm every, every day grateful that if I have to be at home, I'm so lucky to have that view. Yes. And, but that I'm, I'm not, I can't tell you I've turned into a landscape artist. What I've turned into is someone who's playing with landscape as an element of joining abstraction and figurative work. Okay. I've seen some of your new work online. You do post some of your pieces on Facebook and they're lovely. And I look forward to when I can have you here at the gallery again, hopefully in uh, 2021. I got a perfect you know? show. <laughs> you got a perfect show. I know it's, it's gonna be one of the first ones up, let me tell you. Um, I know you also work on things like uh, small hangable dioramas. Uh, are you doing any of that work right now? Like, is that part of what you're in I think of those, I think of those as my shrine boxes. Yes. And um, inspired by work by Robert Rauschenberg that he did, one of his first shows in Europe, he did a series of shrine boxes in Italy. All right. And he only sold one of them. So, and he didn't have much money. So we took all the rest of them in, at midnight and threw them in the Arno. In the river. And, in the river and they're all gone. Oh, and so for some reason, this, this made me think, oh, I wanted, I want to try some shrine boxes. So every time that I do my boxes, they've been inspired by the missing, the lost work of Robert Rauschenberg. The lost Rauschenbergs. The lost Rauschenbergs. Well, and I haven't don't, been, Please don't throw them in the ocean or anything like that, okay? No, I'll them. try not to. Right. But uh, in fact, I haven't been working inside boxes, but I've been working outside boxes. I flip the boxes okay. over All right. and I'm working on the outside of these wooden boxes. All right. However, in 2021, my plan is to turn the boxes over and start working inside them as well. So will they almost be completely three-dimensional? They'll have imagery, top, side, back, bottom, and inside, or what's... Probably just the sides and the inside. Okay. Because the the first one that I've done in this, I did do the back, but 
what's there's not not much point since they're really made to hang they're made to hang so one side has to be flat anyway so it can hang on the wall i guess yes yeah. and, and it's going to be quite the challenge for my framer who's also my life partner yes now i know you also have a lovely series called knots and for those that are unfamiliar it's double n-o-t-s knots is that also part of your current um collage work or is that a separate in fact, thing? it is in fact in this series the in isolation series i'm using the knots to create the landscapes all right so the ocean the water is knots and the islands across you know galliano is what i actually see that's knots and then i'm using some i'm using original paintings i'm tearing up original paintings and giving them new life that sounds cool. Hey, I'm going to take you away from Maine Island for a second. Okay. And I'm going to take you back in time to New York City, where oh. you were born. Uh, yes, I know you were born in New York, and that's where you spent your formative years. And uh, I understand you studied art, history, and Tibetan Buddhism there with uh, a gentleman named John Berzostotsky. Did I get that right? Berzostotsky. Verstowski. <laughs> it's not easy. It's I look at no. it. It's it's still years ago. The first thing he would make people do was learn how to say his name. Well, <laughs> and he's still in New York, isn't he? He's he's still there. Yeah, he's actually retired now. Well, he's okay. ninety four. My gosh. Well, that's a and he's re still going, still okay. making art every day. Fabulous. Yeah. And I know there's a story uh, behind your name. Um, those of us who know and love you are, have heard the story, but uh, why don't we, can you tell us the story about uh, the origins of Famous Empty Sky for our listeners? Uh, certainly. In my late teens, yep. I encountered John Brustusky. He was teaching at the New School for Social Research. Yes. And I became fascinated with Tibetan Buddhism, hmm. which still is a, a lifelong interest. That's great. And in the course of my classes with him, he, he gave me the name Famous Empty Sky. At a couple of years later, when my life was really changing, I started using that name all the time. Hmm. And so I have used that name most of my life. That's how I know you. And that's I how I know me. I, I know you've told me your birth name, but uh, I, you are Famous Empty Sky in my, in my books. And you always will be. Um, so as far as your earlier life history goes, uh, you were in New York for a period of time in your early, early years, your teens, your early twenties, I think. And then you, you moved to Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco in 1966. Isn't that right? Yep. You I did. was 20. When you were 20, mm -hmm. which was, now that was kind of the peak of the hippie era and just before the summer of love in 67. Um, that must have been a pretty cool time, a very, you know, a consciousness altering experience to be in Haight-Ashbury in 66, 67. But I have a question. Were you a flower child, Empty Sky? Were you? Were you was a then, child? was then, still am. That's great. You know, un, unreconstructed. Well. It was actually, George, you know, it was innocent. It was a time of innocent wildness. Yeah. Nobody really knew where it was going and everybody was making it up as we went along. And some of it was silly and some of it was just beautiful. 
and there was tons of great music. There was there was so music. much great rock and roll. And it was all it was it was being given birth to at that time. There was just it was so much yes, that part was stuff. such fun. It was I could cool. open my windows and hear the Grateful Dead playing in Golden Gate Park. Man, that's so cool. Well, it, unless I was going down to see them, which I did often. You know, you should do some journaling or some writing about these experiences. You know, uh, you're an interesting woman to talk to, and you've had such cool, cool experiences in life. I mean, I think it'd be a, a real service to just get some of that down on paper. Beyond this this interview process, you know, it's uh, it's worthy of recording for sure. Um, Thank you. I know that. Okay, after Haight Ashbury, you moved around a fair bit. I know you went back to New York for a while, and then you. Tr- you traveled to Europe where you met uh, your future life partner, Jim, Jim Hashadal in Dubrovnik in 1971 on your way to Greece. Have I got that correct? I don't want to. You got that right. It okay. was midnight, midnight in Dubrovnik at the bus station. So, you know, there's a chapter for your book, Midnight in Dubrovnik. <laughs> <laughs> the most pivotal single moment probably of my entire life. <laughs> well, Dubrovnik is pretty special. <laughs> And so and the bus Jim, station was really cool. And so is Jim Hashadal. I know that for a fact. <laughs> um, how was Greece for you guys? You were on your way to Greece. Well, we were on our way to Greece and we only met in the bus station because there was an area of the mountains that were considered too dangerous to hitchhike through. Okay. So we separately decided to take the bus and there we met. And then we pretty much were together okay. from that moment. And you probably did the the hippie circuit of Crete and Athens and some of the islands and stuff. Do you... Yes, we we went to Athens and on the way we had separated and agreed to meet in Athens. And on the way, we both met people that told us to go to the island of Skathos. So yeah. when we met up in Athens, we I said, oh, we want to go to Skathos. I was with another woman. Okay. And Jim said, oh, I want to go to Skathos. So off we went. Okay. And we spent an idyllic summer living on the beach and um, just discovering ourselves. That sounds fantastic. I love Greece. And it was so special back then. I, I'm sure it's still a wonderful place to be. Uh, I look forward to going back when I have a chance. Um, now, after this gypsy period of travel and experience gathering, you and Jim settled down in San Francisco in 79. So you're back in San Francisco now, a little bit beyond the, the, the hippie era is kind of waning at this point. Um, but you guys lived there for over a decade. Now, what kinds of creative mischief did you and Jim get up to while you were, you were back in California? Oh, we had a great time. Uh, Jim was in his first rock band, wonderful group called The Twisted Kicks. The Twisted uh, Kicks. And they were fantastic. They were a real dance your ass off band. Okay. And um, and then in the nature of that era, when the band stopped being together, and we're all still friends, which is interesting, well, all these years later. That's not true. Um, all bandmates. Yeah, I know. That isn't always true. But um, we became involved with a Vancouver, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, a San Francisco composer named Kenneth Vega. And, and we started doing um, musical theater with him. Jim was his musical associate. And, um, and I was kind of 
it gave me a great opportunity to explore mixed media since I worked on costume and producing and I helped with some of the writing. Um, and we did that for 10 years. Okay. So that's where some of your hands-on creativity was nurtured and grew in San Francisco at that time. Um, after 10 years, roughly 10 years, I think you guys moved up to Vancouver in 92, was it? Yeah. Into Vancouver in 92. But I had lived in Vancouver in the time you call our gypsy period. Gypsy period. I'd actually lived up here for um, the best part of two years. Yeah. The gypsy period is a great period of life. I, I'm a bit of a gypsy myself, you know, maybe I still am. You guys got, when you moved to Vancouver though, you got even more deeply involved in the local art scene. Um, I know you've done countless solo shows, Empty Sky, uh, but can you tell me about some of the larger exhibitions that you've been involved with? Well, Vancouver was very inspirational to me. I, uh, I really think of myself as a Canadian artist. I think that I've done my most important work here. Uh, and when we first got started, I wasn't doing solo shows so much. I was doing group things and then I worked my way into solo shows. And we, I, you know, Vancouver was a great art adventure uh, for me. I had a lifelong interest in costumes and dress up and I was able to merge this as a tool to make the art more interactive. And I did a number of big shows where the audience interacted one way or another with the art. Right. Because I believe along with Marcel Duchamp that the real art is created in the spark of electricity between the work of art and the viewer. Wow, that sounds, that sounds very highbrow. That's uh, <laughs> well. Wow, that's that's beyond my 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 job title as a curator here at a small gallery on on Main Island. But uh, I know you've just done a lot of cool stuff, and uh, some names come to mind. Some places uh, you worked at the Culch, the Vancouver East Cultural Center. And yes, done some work. You've done some work. A wonderful, with... huge show there. Okay. Uh, that was an interactive piece where I had uh, my, one of my oldest friends, a New York poet. Yep. Um, he wrote 11 poems about the end of the, about the 20th century. Right. And we had 11 artists do a piece of work to illustrate each of them. Okay. He, we had a, a, an older gentleman from New York who was a composer who wrote 11 songs. And we had a, a 11 dances, which were done by, the, a, Van, a New York artist, dancer named Laïs, and her okay. associate in that was actually uh, Maine Island's own Michaela J. Oh, really? Okay, so yeah. Michaela was there. Is that where you met Michaela? Uh, no, I already was acquainted with her, but she was one of the dancers she, okay. of the two. She, was, she represented youth and the other one represented wi wisdom. Oh. And that was a great, and we had, and we, gave away the tickets. We had 500 people. We filled the yeah. couch. No kidding. Yeah. That's, so that's that a was pretty, a lot of fun. That's a pretty packed couch. I've been to the couch. And, um, and we actually did a film. The okay. uh, BC filmmaker Claudia Medina made a film. Okay. 
Is that still available? Can you look it up on YouTube or is, it must be out there? Everything's on online now. It must be. And that would be 20th Century Limited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if it's not there, they should put it on. I mean, there's a lot of people who'd love to see that stuff. Um, you've done some work with the, the Vancouver Public Library uh, and something called Party of the Century, Artropolis, Vault in Vancouver. Can you elaborate on any, any of those? Anything specific? Absolutely. Um, Party of the Century came uh, out of um, a grant that I got. Right. Uh, and I did free workshops. I was big on, I liked, I like to involve people and I don't feel that it should be in art and I don't think it should be exclusive. So whenever I could get a grant, I did everything, we did everything for free. Okay. So um, we gave a series of, of workshops and I taught a style of portraiture based on Hannah Hawk, the, uh, the German Dada um, female, the female at the uh, Dada boys party. Okay. And uh, so people, I came, I taught them these techniques. Everybody created one or more of their favorite characters from the 20th century. I took all of them and made um, a 24 foot mural out of them. Okay, which is still hanging at the VPL? Is that No, that's, that's a different, oh, that's, <laughs> that's a different the... big piece also okay. done around the, the turn of the century. Okay. Um, that, my, the piece that's still up is called The Art of Juxtaposition. It's on the fifth floor of the public library, main branch. And for that, um, we did free workshops for 50. Okay. And then framed all the work and gave a party for 300. Wow. To launch it. I could have even been at some of these parties, you know. I've, it's been a while, but uh, this, yeah. is back in, this is back in the 90s, I guess, or is it the early 2000s? Yeah, that would have been, uh, I think that was 96. Okay, party of the century obviously is the turn of the century, right? That's uh, yeah. 2000, 1999. Um, Seems a long time ago now. So you've worked on a lot of big projects, but you're also constantly working on new material for your solo shows, which is what we talked about initially when I, when I first got you online here. Um, besides Shavasana Art Gallery here on Maine, do you have any My other- My favorite. Do you, yes, that's the plug I was looking for, Episcai, thanks. My favorite ever. Ever, I know, yeah, of all time. <clears throat> do you have any other favorites or absolutely memorable shows that you can tell us about? Uh, well, we did a wonderful one. Um, I, we did a great one that was called I, Claudia. And I had, I had done a series of directorial photography pieces which I then cut up and created big collages. And we did this and we invited everybody to come in costume in excessively romantic costumes mm -hmm. and to bring cameras. So we had this great party, everybody was dressed to the nines and everybody was taking pictures. The next month when my show came down, we hung another show that was the photographs that people had taken at the opening party. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so it was a little retrospective of the party itself. That's right, and very interactive. Nice. I, I like interactive. I like engaging the audience and also in making them actually be part of the art experience. That's it's all very interesting, progressive, and fun. Um, now, how about shows that haven't gone exactly as anticipated? I know that 
you've had a ton of great shows, but have there have there been any shows that have been nightmares or comedies for you that you can share with us? Comedies better than nightmare. Yeah. Um, we did do the one where the art show itself, this was also at the Colch. Yep. Uh, no, I'm sorry. This was at Havana on Commercial Drive. I love Havana. And Havana had a small theater and a small gallery. In the, okay. So we, I curated, sometimes I'm the accidental curator, uh, I curated a show for Vancouver artists that was based on steampunk. Okay. And it was a group show. We had 25 artists. And we also got use of the theater where we produced a, a review, music and burlesque, all steampunk related. And it was going to be free in my usual freestyle. Well, and we invited the entire audience to come in steampunk costumes. Well, about 200 people showed up and for the opening. And we'd had this plan that we were going to cycle the audience in and, and do a 20 minute set and then cycle them out of the theater and have more people come in. Okay. That was a little too complicated. A bit too ambitious. A little too ambitious. And so we ended up with bottlenecks of people and this was my, my first uh, introduction to really to vault at Vancouver Alternative Fashion because um, I wanted to do a, a steampunk fashion show mm -hmm. and uh, Kat Fernihow helped me. She introduced me to a number of Vancouver uh, designers okay. and we had a great, so we had as well as the entire audience being in costumes, we had a fashion show and at the end, we got the audience to come down and walk the catwalk in their costumes. Hmm. So it worked out, it was great, but it was just a little bit crazy. And there was some nervousness by the people that were running the, um, the entire project. Everyone fear survived. Of, fear of the fire department. Everyone survived and I'm sure they all had a good time. Everybody was... had a blast. <laughs> so it was um, more comedic, it wasn't a tragedy. Good, we like a comedy. Yeah. Now, I, I know you're a really engaging and outgoing artist, person, and it's got to be challenging for artists who are more introverted, you know, and I, I see introversion as sort of being part of the creative process sometimes. You have to be, actually, it's interesting that you think that I'm, so I found my inner introvert has really come to the forefront during the time of the COVID. Okay. But I think you can't be an artist without having an introverted side. Yes. But what would, you, what would you recommend for artists who are starting out? Like how, how do they get over the butterflies or uncertainty of exhibiting and putting on shows and just doing all the stuff that Famous Empty Skies had to do over the years, you know? Yeah, well, it took me 20 years of being an artist and having, and at that in San Francisco and before, and I, and I had my first card company, I'd sold 10,000 cards before I ever was in one show because I was so shy. Okay. And so, it was, and it, so it's been a great challenge to me. It doesn't to, happen overnight. To come out as an artist. Yeah, it doesn't happen overnight, eh? No. It's and and but the my best advice to people is just to do it. I think if I could re, well, we can't redo our lives, and and if you pull one thread, the whole sweater unravels. But I'm sorry that I didn't start sooner. Have Have there been any? Have there been any notable obstacles that have made you think of abandoning the whole thing? Like 
Just your creative you mean besides process. Besides not really ever making much money. Well, there is that. That's that's the classic <laughs> obstacle for most creatives, whether you're a musician that's or a writer classic. or whatever. But uh, have there been any people or situations that have been problematic, or is it a passion that just keeps calling you back? I yes, I would say yes to all of it. There have been difficult times, and people who've inspired me. But it's, you know, there comes a certain point where you're no longer choosing to be an artist and you've been chosen. Yes. And, and if you don't follow it, then it's quite destructive. Well, we don't want, we don't want destruction. We want creation coming out of um, the sky. That's I, I, you know, and it makes, I, I find that it makes me happy. And I think that creativity makes generates a happiness happiness is so important you know if, if you're not happy while you're doing your creativity it's that's doubly difficult you know if you're facing you know the financial issues and maybe lack of um recognition for what you're doing and then if you throw on happiness on top of that it's it's a that's a tough road to hoe but um but i just tell I, I just always tell people not to give up yes good advice i know that your partner jim has been really supportive of what you do, your art, and even comes and serenades guests at some of your openings with um, his gentle guitar, as we know it. Now, from a purely artistic perspective, what or who, whom, who, who's been, who's been some of the greatest influence on your art? Can you, can you come up with any? Well, names? I have to, I have to say that John Hartfield, right, the great German Dada collage artist okay. of, of the 20s and 30s and 40s. Um, he, he's one of my single most uh, Im significant influences. I had the good fortune, in fact, in Jim's first band, one of his musicians was a man named John Hartfield, who's the grandson of that artist. And the grandson turned me on to John Hartfield okay. and it changed everything because John Hartfield was such an amazing collage artist. He's actually in some uh, schools of thought considered to be one of the founders of photomontage. And he was incredibly um, brave. He worked, his work, a lot of his work was against Hitler. And when the Nazis came to the front door, he climbed out the bathroom window and walked to Prague. And every week from Prague, he would smuggle in a, a collage that would be the cover of the AIZ magazine. So anyway, his work is very strong, uh, politically really important, but artistically, he, he was a great, um, he was a great artist. He had a great sense of composition. And he produced a lot of his own materials that he used. A big and, and so he was really, uh, he's one of the main influences. I, later I discovered, you know, there were other people that I like and I like Rauschenberg and, you know, and I love Picasso's early collage work. Um, but I have, to, I have to credit Hartfield. And if anybody's interested in what Hartfield's work looks like, uh, there's a page on Facebook called the John Hartfield Exhibition that shows a lot of his work, which seems particularly relevant in these 
politically uncertain times. I'm going to take a look at that later on today, Empty Sky. Thanks for that lead. I'll, I'll check out his stuff and we can talk about it again when, when, we, when we meet up, when we actually get together face to face. Now, I have other questions for you, though. Okay. And uh, I know you've taught classes and you've given some workshops on collage in Vancouver. You did that for a number of years. Do you miss that? Have you considered teaching on Main Island or offering your skills and talents on a, in an online format? Yes. Um, I'm not sure about doing it as an online thing because part of what I found in teaching was that so much of it depended on kind of the exchange of energy between the students and myself and the students and each other. I did do it for over a dozen years. I taught in Vancouver and I did all these big public workshops and it was very exciting, but it, it required a great deal of my energy. Right. And now that I am more mature, I don't quite have as much disposable energy as I did 20 years ago. Well, you're still focusing on your creative process. And but I'm still working and it could still happen. And you've planted all those creative seeds. There's individuals out there spreading the love with their And that's how I get to be on Main Island. My karmic benefit was that one of my students bought a little piece of land here on Main Island. I'd never heard of Main Island. And I came out and stayed in her trailer in Bennett Bay. And we just fell in love with Maine. And that was 19 years ago. Wow. Now, speaking of any listeners who might want to develop their abilities, similar to your students, you know, uh, to pursue some kind of creative path, similar to your own, what advice would you give them? Any courses or books they should consider? Um, I think that they should do it. Just do it. More than taking other people's courses, I think just start experimenting and go, go deep, go within, because the artist, the artist isn't somebody outside. The artist is your deepest inner person. Right. And everybody has an artist inside that's just dying to get out. Yes. I guess if they look at various collage artists, yourself included, they can get inspiration. They can search for materials. They can do their own internal. Part of what's so great about collage is that it's accessible. You know, you're not, the first day you make a collage you're not going to be doing what I am doing after 40 years of working on it, but it's going to still be something that's wonderful. You can still find, and many people use collage as a way to get started and then later find that there's another medium that that's more them, but collage is something it's great for priming the pump, getting you going. Good. Good to allow room for growth, <clears throat> whether you want to move away, <clears throat> pardon me, move away from collage or, or stay with it for the rest of your life. It's a, obviously it's a fabulous media, medium to start with, stick with, branch out from. Well, you know, it's considered to be such a new medium, but really Picasso and Brock were doing it um, before the First World War. Hold on. So we're 100 years in. 
Hey, Empty Sky, is there, is there any one thing you wish you had known when you started out? Um, yeah, I wish I'd had more guts. More guts. You seem like yeah, a woman I, with a lot of guts to me. You seem very, you seem quite confident. And, took uh, me, it took me a long time, George, and I, I wish that if there's one wish, I wish that I had been bolder. So that's it. Be okay. bold. Be bolder earlier. Be bolder sooner. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, I think we're coming to the end of our time together. Um, it's been really great uh, interviewing you, Empty Sky. This is so cool. Uh, I really appreciate yeah, thanks a lot for doing it, George. Thanks a lot for this. But um, before we do go, I, you know, we should let our listeners know how they can connect with you online. Like what's the best way for them to see what you're doing and maybe gather some ideas if they're interested for themselves or to purchase your, your works as well. That's always a good thing. I wish I was set up better to be purchased online. Uh, I've depended on galleries like yourself to keep me going. But uh, if you Google Famous Empty Sky, yes, you'll find a number of references to me. You'll find my very small website, yes. which all is very nice, but very limited in that it only deals with my early knots. My most contemporary work is best found actually on Facebook under Famous Empty Sky. Okay. And um, and I, and I hope in the future to have a better online presence. Yeah. Certainly this time in isolation um, has encouraged me that I need to reach out to a broader spectrum of people. Well, those are two great ways of accessing you anyway. I'm sure they can contact you through the website you've mentioned or through Facebook if they wish. So that's, yeah, that's fabulous. Um, and I think I also want to add to that, if listeners, well, you mentioned if they Google you, they can find your website, so that's good. And also on my website, uh, shavasana.ca, the gallery website, uh, they can go to my blog if they want to see some examples of your work. I always do a, a walkthrough video when artists show here. And if they went to September 2019, they'd see a a really nice write-up, some photos, and a short video walkthrough of your material. So, hey, Empty Sky, that's about it. So thanks so much again, and all of the best of the uh, season to you and Jim. Stay safe, stay well, and I look forward to seeing you in person again as soon as we can. And the same to you, George, and thank you very much. I really appreciate this. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Bye now. Okay, listeners. Um... That's the end of episode three, my interview with Famous Empty Sky, collage artist. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is George Bathgate, and this is The Accidental Curator. I'll be starting work on episode four shortly. Um, This is the new year now. We're in January 2021, and it will likely be either a story or a chapter in the ongoing uh, narrative that I'm working on, and that should be coming up in the next two or three weeks. Um, if you're interested in future episodes, you can subscribe to this podcast. And if you'd like to leave a comment, that would be great. Or you can share this link with someone you think may be interested. Um, I'll be announcing, uh, future episodes as they come out. And this will be done through various social media channels. Thanks again. Please stay tuned.